1: Good day everyone and welcome to EXFO's second quarter conference call for Fiscal 2021. Today's call is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Vance Oliver, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to EXPO's second quarter conference call for Fiscal 2021. With me on the line today are Philippe Morin, EXO's Chief Executive Officer, and Pierre Plamendon. CFO and Vice President of Finance. jean Melamont, Lamont, Expo's Founder and Executive Chairman, will also be available to answer questions during the Q&A period. A reminder that this conference call will include certain forward-looking statements and or estimates concerning our intents, beliefs or expectations regarding future events that may affect EXFO. Please note that such comments will be affected by risks and uncertainties including the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on our employees, customers, and global operations. This may cause the actual results of the company to be materially different from those expressed or implied today. For more information about EXFO, I encourage you to review our Form 20F filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Our annual information form is available with Canadian Securities Commissions as well. Please note that non-IFRS numbers may be used during this conference call today. A reconciliation of these non-IFRS results with IFRS numbers is available in the Q2 2021 news release on our website. All dollar amounts in this conference call are expressed in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. So without further delay, I will turn the call over to Philip.
3: Thanks, Vance, and uh, good afternoon. Expo delivered another solid financial performance in our second quarter of 2021. Highlighted by a robust bookings growth of 8.9%, for a book to bill ratio of 1.15, and strong cash flows from operations of 14.7 million. I'm particularly pleased with our strong bookings in the second quarter that reflect increased market demand driven by catch up spending and early deployments of 5G cloud based networks. As our customers, the communication service providers, get a better handle on transforming their networks during the coronavirus pandemic. Recent success in securing multi year contracts bodes well for the expanding footprint of our Nova Adaptive Service Assurance Platform, as a growing number of RFPs for five G standalone network monitoring systems are expected in twenty twenty one and beyond. So overall, our sales increased 25.2% year over year to 16.3 million in our second quarter of 2021. But it should be recalled that the initial outbreak of the pandemic had forced a one month shutdown of our manufacturing facility in China a year ago in February 2020. Turning to the bottom line, IFRS net loss totaled 2.4 million while adjusted EBITDA amounted to 3.4 million, or 4.9% of sales. At the halfway mark of our fiscal year 2021, Expo generated IFRS net earnings of 1.1 million, or two cents per share, and adjusted EBITDA of 13.4 million, or 9.5% of our sales. As we turn into our, um, looking at our product line, in terms of our test and measurement, Bottom line first, revenues grew by 36.8% year-over-year, year, again, reflecting the one-month shutdown of our manufacturing facility in China in Q2 2020 that does distort year-over-year comparisons. But TNM bookings grew by 3.2% year-over-year, mainly due to increased fiber deployments by communication service providers to support broadband network expansion. EXPO has also benefited from earlier budget releases by some service providers in calendar 2021, which has positively affected our TNM booking. The tightened demand, mainly driven by catch-up spending from delayed projects, was partially offset by reduced investments by the network equipment manufacturers for our lab solutions in Asia-Pac region. It should be noted that the initial coronavirus outbreak in February 2020 had little impact on our test and measurement bookings in our Q2 2020. So the TNM orders began to significantly drop in our third quarter of 2020 as preventive lockdown measures were imposed in several countries. So as such, we can state that our TNM bookings are gradually returning to a pre-pandemic level with good growth opportunities in the second half of our fiscal 2021, given anticipated investments in further deployments 5G infrastructure, and data center connectivity. Now turning to service assurance systems and services business. On the SaaS side, our revenues decreased 2.1% year over year, while bookings improved 20.6% to 25.3 million in the second quarter of 2021. The strong bookings growth can be attributed to recent wins for our Nova fiber monitoring solution, to increase traction of our Nova Sense AI troubleshooting solution, and as well from a solid support contract renewals. Now, if you recall, we announced a major fiber monitoring deal with OpenReach, a subsidiary of British Telecom in early January. The good news is that OpenReach recently confirmed that it will move ahead with its plan to pass 20 million homes, 20 million premises with fiber by mid, 2025. As a result, Expo will benefit from this multi-million, dual-source, fiber-monitoring deal with OpenReach. Order momentum in the second quarter of 2021 also intensified for our Nova, Nova Sense AI, or our automated troubleshooting solution that detects network anomalies in real time. Nova Sense AI is attracting customers' interest because this solution shuns big data swamps in favor of highly specific information and prioritized insights to reveal network outages and service degradation. Ultimately, Nova Sense AI, with its built-in machine learning capabilities, combined with other solutions like Nova Active, helps service providers improve subscriber experience and faster troubleshooting times, as highlighted by the 2.5 million bookings this quarter with a European service provider. Finally, Expo's Nova adaptive service assurance platform has been selected after an RFP process to enter the lab evaluation stage for a potential large scale 5G monitoring deal. At this point, we have secured a $2 dollars order to undergo the lab evaluation. And we're doing this in a partnership with a tier one network system vendor for a prospective 5G standalone cloud-based network deployment in the United States. So now I will turn to the call over to Pierre to cover our financials. Pierre? Thank you,
4: Philippe. Good afternoon, everybody. Sale increased 25.2% to 69.3 million in the second quarter of 2021 from 55.3 million in the second quarter of 2020. As previously mentioned, sale increased year over year, mainly due to the initial impact of the COVID 19 outbreak. That forced a one month shutdown of Expo Manufacturing Facility in Shenzhen, China, in February 2020. Bookings, meanwhile, improved 8.9% year over year to 79.3 million in the second quarter of 2021 for a book to bill ratio of 1.15. Gross margin before depreciation and amortization reached 56.1% of sales in the second quarter of 2021 compared to 57% in the second quarter of 2020. Our gross margin in the second qu- quarter of 2021 was affected by a less favorable sale mix compared to the same period last year, as we recognized in to renew less software-rich solutions in q 21. In terms of operating expenses, selling and administrative expenses decreased to 22.9 million or 33.1% of sales in the second quarter of 2021 from 24.3 million or 44% of sales in the second quarter of 2020 the 1.4 million decrease in SG&A expenses reflects lower travel and trater expenses due to the pandemic and the full impact of our 2020 restructuring plan Net R&D expenses increased to 13.5 million, or 19.6% of sales, in the second quarter of 2021, from 12.6 million, or 22.7% of sales, in the same period last year. The 1 million increase in net R&D expenses is mainly related to some hiring and their annual salary raises and the mix of R&D projects. IFRS net loss totaled 2.4 million or minus 4 cents per share in the second quarter of 2021, compared to a loss of 9 million or minus 16 cents per share in the COVID impacted second quarter of 2020. IFRS net loss in the second quarter of 2021 included 2 million in amortization of intangible assets, 1 million in stock based compensation costs. 0.1 million in foreign exchange loss and an in income tax effect on this item of 0.3 million. Net loss also included 0.3 million for an after tax wage subsidy granted by the Kenyan government to help companies mitigate the effect of the pandemic, as well as 0.7 million for the negative goodwill recorded following the acquisition of InOpticals adjusted a bit that amounted to 3.4 million or 4.9% of sales in the second quarter of 2021, compared to minus 4.9 million or minus 8.9% of sales in the COVID impacted second quarter of 2020. Geographically, the Americas accounted for 48% of totals in Q221. Europe, Middle East Africa represented 38%, while Asia-Pacific total, 14%. In terms of customer mix, our top customer accounted for 6.8% of total sales in q 21, while our top three represented 14.3%. Turning to a few key points on the balance sheet, our cash position increased by 7.8 million to 24.3 million at the end of the second quarter of 2021. This increase in many due to 14.7 million in cash flow from operation and point eight million in cash acquired from the inoptical transaction. These items were partially upset by 5.4 million for, for the reduction in our bank loans, 1.4 million for the repayment of lease liabilities and long term debt, and 1.2 million for the purchase of capital assets. At the end of Q2-21, EXo had a net cash position of $10.2 million and available revolving credit facilities up to $68.3 until May 21 and to $52.5 million thereafter. At this point, I will turn the call over to the operator for the start of the Q&A.
1: Thank you, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you're calling from a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is off to ensure your signal can reach our equipment. Again, star one to ask a question. And first we'll go to Thanos Mishopoulos from BMO. Your line is open.
5: Hi, good afternoon. Um, I guess to start with on the um, tier one uh, 5G trial, uh, I guess first of all congratulations on, on making it to the lab evaluation phase. Um, and secondly, um, any sense you can provide us in terms of the timing for that customer to make a, a decision?
3: Yeah, so thanks, Anil. So yeah, so the live the, the evaluation is a pretty um, complex and lengthy process. So we, we do um, expect that the, the next phase should happen in our fiscal, before the end of our fiscal year. So, um, but again, you know, it's, um, it, we'll see how, lengthening yet but um we're hoping that you know
5: by by the time we um we get into the summer we'll uh, we'll get to the next phase and um you mentioned open reach uh, dual source and, and i realize that's not a 5g deployment but as far as the 5g operators you're talking to um are some of those looking to dual source or are those uh, primarily single source situations
3: yeah, that it really depends on our, our type of our, our business here. Um, you know, when you look at, at fiber monitoring, it does in, involve, uh, because it's, it's got a portion of hardware and software in the solution, you can ultimately, especially the, the size of millions of homes that OpenReach is looking at, it does allow them to go and do a dual-source um, supply strategy. But as you move into more of the 5G um, standalone cloud-native kind of solution, where you cover the whole core network, end-to-end services, um, and and you look at the the upgrade from going to 4G to 5G. In a lot of these cases, it tends to be more single-source because it's easier to imagine providing that end-to-end visibility and helping you troubleshoot when you have that uh, single-source model.
5: And I don't know if you can provide any color on size, but just hypothetically, might this 5G deal be kind of similar in size to, say, the Open Reach deal? Um, is that the right way to think about it? Or I don't know if you can provide any comment on that. Yeah, I think you
3: know when you look at what I just kind of presented in my my remarks, we, we've got um, you know three. We got the Open Reach uh, win, which is with fiber monitoring. We've got the Sensei with um, the European customer and now this one, they tend to really be multi-year, multi-million of dollars. But on this one in particular, um, it's still too early to tell. Uh, There's still a lot of variables and a lot of work to be done. But they tend to be following the same kind of pattern that that we've presented in the past. That they tend to be contracts between three to five years. They tend to have multi-million aspect of it and obviously, depending on the size of the customer, the number of subs, uh, subscribers, especially if now, if you're starting to think about five, 5G and IoT, um, the type of coverage you need, and that will kind of dictate um, the opportunity. And it, it's going to be, um, you know, and on top of that, as you know, all we always get maintenance contract renewal, So, you know, we'll be able to get a better view as we continue to involve and, and work this um, this lab evaluation that we're um, that we've been back to in this quarter.
5: Okay, great. Um, and, and I guess we'd be focusing on, on, on maybe just the uh, shorter term dynamics of the business. Um, has visibility um, improved um, relative to the last three months, would you say? Or are things starting to look a bit more predictable in terms of um, customer behavior um, shorter term or how would you characterize that?
3: Yeah, I think, that, you know, for me, the the um, when we thought we were going to start getting better visibility and as I mentioned in my remarks we're now starting to see TM being back to the levels before pre-pandemic. Now we're seeing the third wave coming in and you know really um, uh, getting us to a point where we, we need to really uh, be careful about what will be the, the impact of that. Um, there's also the the um, aspect of supply, I think you everybody's reading about the whole supply chain. Um, you know, that, that's something that we we're very, very closely watching. We've got long-term relationship with our suppliers, but when you see the demand that's uh taking place and then some of the constraints that we're seeing on the supply chain in other sectors, that's another aspect that we want to be really closely watching um as we go through that. So um, you know, it's it's I'll give you an example. Even in Q2. Um, we ended up getting um, bookings a bit stronger than we, we anticipated uh, on the TNM side. So, you know, part of the uh, pent-up demand and the, the need for, to recover on the, the last few months of last year um, had a, a positive impact on our bookings. And, and so that all aspect is, is makes it a bit more predictable for us um, to look at our, um, our, our plan for, um, for the next six months.
5: Okay. That's great. Um, thanks for the I'll
1: back the line. And next we'll go to Robert Young from Canaccord, Judy. Your line is open.
6: Hi, good evening. Maybe I'll just ask about the, uh, the supply chain that you just brought up there. I assume that's uh chip shortages that we're hearing about. Um, how will that manifest in your results if, um, if they get worse from here, is this going to be a headwind to your gross margins? Will it limit your ability to, you know, uh, generate revenue. Where should we think about that as being an impact?
3: Yeah, no, it's a, so it's a good question, Robert. So the um, obviously on on the SaaS side, we're being predominantly a software business. There's no real impact there. More on the T and M side, and and I think for us, it would be more around uh, probably seeing more longer lead times on components, which we, we could ultimately um, have an impact in terms of um, shipping equipment. At this point, we don't see any, um, any issue, but we, um, we want to just make sure um, that we're obviously spending much more time with our suppliers to make sure that we're not being impacted as we're seeing in, in other industries. Um, um, but so far, we've been able to, to manage around um, so what we're seeing right now.
6: And then um, the TNM strength. I mean, last couple of quarters or last quarter, I believe you said that, you know, some of the maintenance and operational sort of spend was pushing out some longer-term projects. Is that still what's driving TNM here? I think you talked about some fiber deployment. Or are you seeing this more transform into longer-term projects? I understand some of the 5G upside is still farther out, but are you seeing that improve towards longer-term projects?
3: Yeah, no, I think for, for this quarter particular on the TNM strength, we did see some pent-up demand, um, you know, because if you, if you recall our previous uh, results, uh, we, we've seen really um, when the pandemic hit, uh, the TNM, especially what we call the, the physical business of the OTDRs, the type of instruments that field technicians use, got impacted by, by the pandemic and the lockdown and so on. And what we're now seeing gradually is that business is coming on and it came on really strong in, um, in our Q2. Um, and so, and, and we do, so the question is, is that, is that going to continue or is it really a pent-up demand? So we're really seeing that catching up of, of where I think people were felt behind because of the pandemic. And as, as the service providers adapted to this new environment, they've been able to now to, um, to make um, decisions on per- procurement of our tests and measurement uh, solution so that's where we've seen the, the impact um, on our on our strength at our TNM and that's why we've seen you know 50, almost 54 million dollars of, of bookings um, and then SAS had, had strong um, strong performance on the SAS side as I mentioned it's we're seeing some really nice traction on our fiber monitoring some nice traction on Sensei and Q2 by a uh, seasonal seasonality effect also represents a quarter where we do a lot of maintenance contract um, renewals which we did a good job of securing that uh, in our quarter
6: okay okay that's a oh, great uh color it, maybe two more questions if i could just the um you, you talked about strong rfp trends you said the rfp trends were strong last quarter as well has it gotten better or worse is it are you more confident this quarter than last quarter um Maybe if you could give us a quarter-over-quarter quarter view on the RFP trends, that would be helpful.
3: Yeah, the, the activity on 5G standalone are are continuing to be um, to be strong. We're, we're very busy responding to RFPs, and you you see the result in one of them that um, you know, along with our uh, a partner, we're we're going into a uh, into a, a deployment, into a lab for a potential deployment in Americas. Um, so we're starting to see that. It's still mainly driven out of um, where we see most of the activities are, are uh, in Americas, um, but we're now starting to see Europe um, starting to, to come pretty active as well on, on, um, on 5G, and, and as well from 4 to 5G on, on, on transition there. So um, I do think that you know in terms of revenue impact, uh, this is going to be, again, as I mentioned, more into 2022. But the activities, um, as an example, we're very happy to see that for lab evaluation, we're getting uh, um, you know, our customers to pay for those, um, and ultimately, I think it bodes well with uh, the traction we're seeing, with the wind we're seeing, um, that I think we can really continue to expand our footprint. Um, as I mentioned in the last quarter, um, for SAS, it's all about um, a footprint game. You've got to win those uh, those contract initially, they tend to, to bring professional services uh, at the beginning so that you can do the integration, but once you're in the network, there are multi-year contracts and allows you to expand, allows you to bring other um, tests and other monitoring capability. With 5G Tunnel, as you know, we're gonna go into network slicing, which will again allow us to go and, and upgrade what we're doing. So really important for us to continue to, um, to get the wins and secure these contracts that we've uh, highlighted so far, and continue to um, to get into these lab evaluations um, as um, as the RFPs go to, to to the next stage.
6: Right, and you've brought it up a couple times already, but the standalone 5G deployment. I mean, when I think of that, I think of that as something that's the next stage, as opposed to something that's really driving anything right now. Is there are there actually any deployments around standalone that you're seeing now, or is that something that's a 2022-2023 opportunity? Are there any closer term 5G opportunities that you see?
3: Yeah, no, I think we'll, we'll see. The volume will really kicking in 2022, Rob, as you mentioned. But we are starting to see some, some customers taking the lead on deploying 5G standalone, starting with their core network. Uh, they've all made all their decisions between um, you know, Nokia, Ericsson, Samsung, Huawei. Now they're going to the next phase. In order to implement that 5G standalone core, they need our solution to do the uh, monitoring Troubleshooting and service assurance, and and that's what we're to, we're seeing with the RFPs that are happening now. But in terms of deployment, um, some deployments in 2021, but really the, the the impact will be more felt in 2022. But we're very happy right now with the progress we're making with um, with the the, the the footprint that uh, that we're getting with our solution. So we just gotta you know continue to. Um, Continue to do the work. Um, these lab evaluations are 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 long. They're they're complex, but I do think that uh, the rewards are there um, once you uh, you get selected.
6: Okay, great. Thanks for taking all my questions.
3: Thank you, Robert.
1: And next we'll go to Tim Savageau from Northland. Your line is open.
7: Hi. Good afternoon. Um, I wanted to follow up on a couple of things. First, your uh, commentary um, about seeing some early budget releases from your carrier customers, Looking for a little more color there. Um, I assume that's probably focused on the US, your top customers, but if you have any other commentary geographically, um, I'd be interested in hearing that. And to what degree you've sort of seen that momentum continue into the uh, current quarter, it's called Q3, and then I have a follow-up.
3: Okay, thanks, Tim. So, yeah, so, so what has been interesting for us, again, in, in the context of the T&M strengths on the, the bookings, has um, been that um, both in America and EMEA, and I would probably say U.S. and the EMEA, um, <clears throat> what we've seen, Tim, this year is as soon as the budget got approved, which tends to be in beginning of calendar year, Usually what we've seen in the past, it takes a bit more time to get, you know, the, the purchase orders to go out and, and, and the procurement process to go through. I think because of the pent-up demand of the previous year, uh, what we have actually seen this quarter is as soon as the budget got approved, uh, we, we saw an acceleration in, in converting those into purchase orders. And as I said, predominantly in the U.S. and predominantly in the MEA uh, across, um, across our customer base.
7: Um, and then, you know, looking a bit farther out, you know, when you see news such as um, what we saw on Verizon and AT and T, kind of accelerating um, 5G deployments and likely associated fiber deployment, and um, as well as AT and T increasing its uh, target for uh, for fiber homes past this year you know, when would you expect to see the impact of any of the, that type of activity? It seems more kind of oriented toward the, you know, back half of calendar 21 or, or 22, and would you view that as potential separate catalysts from some of the more kind of catch-up oriented
3: demand you're seeing currently? Yeah, no, I think, so So the, you know, the announcements by Verizon, UTT and, and T-Mobile just on the heel of, of um, the, the spectrum options uh, Tim, if you recall, where, um, quite frankly, I was a bit nervous with uh, 80, $80 billion going into Spectrum. Will, they, will the service providers um, have to step back on their investment? And I was really happy to see that not only that, but both Verizon and AT&T have actually decided to increase their cap expending. Um, now, a lot of it will probably go into the 5G deployment, new 5G radio, but we do think that it will potentially continue to really help our um, our fiber business uh, on the TNM side and then as well obviously as uh, these go more aggressively get on the 5G core deployment um, you know we, we are obviously looking at, at being uh, at playing in, in those accounts with, um, with our, our, our assurance business our, with our uh, Nova Adaptive um, platform. So you know, for, for us it's, the, the question is going to be the timing of, of the investment. Um, And then how quickly will they start really um, ramping up? I I do think Verizon, AT&T have been pretty aggressive already on on fiber to the homes path. And we've seen some of it, I'm pretty sure, come into our quarter um, in terms of their investment requirement. Um, And and part of my comment around um, investing uh, very quickly uh, as they got the budget approved, And then we'll have to see what happens as well now in Europe. I mean, we're starting to see um, fiber to the home being uh, prioritized. Um, You see the the monitoring uh, results, fiber monitoring results that we're getting um, is is obviously on on the heel of BT OpenReach, but we've also got uh, nice traction with that solution as they're looking at being a bit more aggressive now on deploying fiber to the home, fiber to the antenna. In Europe, which I think they were a bit behind in some countries, there.
7: Great, thanks. And last question for me, and this references the APAC weakness that you saw both sequentially and year-on-year year in the quarter. I think you. Pointed to some OEM weakness in, in lab and production. You know, should we associate that with you know China OEMs or maybe big China OEMs or there's some other dynamics there? And is that a kind of situation you expect to continue?
3: See, what was interesting with our network, uh, our our manufacturing uh, uh, product, um, what uh, what we've seen Tim is actually good, very strong traction in both uh, North America and even in Europe, which we haven't seen that much in the past. So both of those regions did really well. But what happened is it predominantly in China, where we had a really, really strong quarter uh, in Q2 last year, um, right during the, the whole the, you know, beginning of the pandemic, but with really strong performance there in China that did not repeat the, this quarter. And so although we recovered a lot with Europe and, and, and America, Um, not as much, we were not able able to recover as much of what the decline we've seen in in China.
7: Okay, thanks very much. I'll pass it on.
1: All right, thank you, Tim. And next, we'll go to Richard C. from National Bank Financial. Your line is open.
3: Yes, uh, thank
0: you. With respect to the 5G, you know, based on sort of your bookings to date, um, you know, when would you guys expect to sort of kind of reach this uh, sort of peak level uh, of 5G? Is that, you know, in the next two, three years? Like, just want to get a sense of
3: that. Yeah, so, Richard, the, the question is, you got also you got to separate between the T&M business and, the, and the, our service assurance business. I think on the T N M side, we're seeing the uh, – we do believe we're going to see the fiber build out fiber to the antenna the front hall, the back haul, that's going to be all fiberized that's going to be uh for many years uh, because of the fact that you know they're just going to have to increase the overall front hall and back haul capacity that 5g brings um and so that's going to be there for i think we've got a good good cycle there and i, and I keep using the expression that we're in the first few innings of a baseball game here on on the tnm side for 5g uh, especially when you put that context into our global um, global, uh, global view. And then the whole discussion around the service assurance, um, I do think that what we're going to see is the next, you know, 2021, 2022, is when you're going to start seeing these contracts being awarded and you start getting into the deployment. But again, we're, we're even on the first inning there, right? So there's still a lot lot to go and lots of pitches to, to take place. Um, and and it's a ten-year cycle, at least. Um, you know, when you look at how long it took to get the four G deployed, um, the five G is going to be obviously um, more important. It's 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 more of a major, in my mind, re- re- revolution in terms of um, of the network deployment. It allows to go with IoT, combine new technology like artificial intelligence, starting into private private five G networks being built out. So we're in for um, you know many many years. I would say at least 10 years of deployment for um, for that um, for that 5G, and we're just at the beginning. And then you know it will depend by geography. I know I keep repeating we're seeing the U.S., um, Japan, Korea, China taking the lead, um, but then we're going to also see depending on uh, the different economies and countries um, the deployment taking place as well. And then,
0: you know, you guys have obviously benefited on the OPEX side, um, as we kind of look to the other side, you know, with hopes that everything finally opens up at one point, would you say that uh, sort of on the expense side, you can get back to your pre-COVID run rates or have you kind of, you know, identified areas of savings that are going to be more permanent here going
3: forward or just trying to reflect that in a model going out here the next year? Well, I guess on the, you know, we've been very, very prudent and diligent on, on our spend, obviously, during this period, both on R&D and SG&A. Um, SG&A was, was obviously reduced because no more traveling, no more conferences and so on. Um, I do think that we will need to go back uh, to to traveling again and meeting customers face-to-face. And so you would expect the SG&A to, uh, once we get behind, um, you know, this... this um, this third wave and the vaccinations taking place, that you're gonna start seeing I think maybe a, an increase in this that has to do with, with travel and so on. But I do think that there is a bit of a, a shift here in terms of how we're actually gonna to continue to, to engage our customers. I, I do think that the, the virtual model, um, virtual demos, uh, these big conferences that used to take place, it'll be really interesting to see. i not sure we're gonna go back to these, these models before, but um, we'll have to see this. Apologies, there's a bit of noise on the on the bridge here. But uh, you know, for me, um, that that's where I would say we get a bit more on 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 uh, the spend will ultimately be back into the travel. But I don't believe it's going to be as much as where we used to be um, pre pre COVID. Okay,
0: and I guess related to that, you know, with the sort of the cash flow in a quarter, and you've got a pretty decent credit facility there. What are you thinking about sort of capital allocation? You know, how acquisitions have been, you know, I would say a contributor here in, in recent years. What's that environment look like today? And you know, what, what are you sort of thinking on that front?
3: Kelly, you want to take that one? That?
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, for, for sure. We we'll continue to look to any acquisition. Uh, Jeremy is on the call as well to comment on, on acquisition. We did close in optical in December last December. Uh, we still have uh, enough cash if we want to pursue any other uh, kind of acquisition to complete our project line uh, or even uh, extend some 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 reach. So uh, for me, the capital search is still uh, acceptable to continue to to grow uh, through uh, acquisition.
0: Would you guys ever consider, like, uh, you know, starting a buy back stock, you know, given the, you know, the stock price here today? The,
4: the, this is always a, a, an option. We still have our share buyback program in place that we can use if we believe this is the right thing to do to use
1: our cash. Okay, great. Thank you. And next we'll go to Daniel Chan from TD Securities. Your line is open.
0: Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Just, I just got one. Uh, you mentioned with the uh, the SaaS RFP you're working on, with you're working with a large Tier One network vendor to help you work on that. Just wondering about your go to market with respect to some of these larger 5G deployments. Whether you plan on partnering with more uh, network vendors or whether you continue with your current mix of direct and uh, and partnerships. Thanks.
3: Yeah, no. I think the, the the strategy for us will be, um, without divulging too much from a from a point of view of good market, is that we'll we'll, we'll do both. I think there's really opportunities for us to go direct in, in certain accounts, but there are other other accounts that I, we really feel that going through a partner, a strong partner, will actually help us um, get um, and be a successful deployment. So, um, you know, I think I think you're going to see us do, do um, both a, both the direct and, and through a partner, depending on.
1: Um, depending on the customer type. And at this time, I'll turn it back to Philip Murray for closing remarks.
3: All right. Well, thank you very much. So just a few key takeaways before we conclude this call today. Um, First, Expo delivered another solid performance in our second quarter and based on robust bookings growth of 89 Percent um, a book-to-bill of 1.4, 1.14, and 79 million dollars of of um, of, uh, of bookings, and as well our cash flow from operations at $14.7 14.7 million. Um, second, our order momentum for our SaaS business is accelerating and continues and it has accelerated in the second quarter. Um, you know, with bookings increasing more than 20 percent year over year to uh, 25 million. And then uh, finally, um, Exxon's uh, NOVA adaptive service assurance platform continues to gain market traction, as we've uh, highlighted with recent uh, contract wins and, and this lab evaluation for this 5G standalone cloud-based monitoring uh, contract in partnership with uh, the Tier 1 network system vendor. So this concludes our Q2 2021 conference call. And on behalf of the entire X4 team, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you.
1: And that does conclude our call for today. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.